Welcome to the Software Lifecycle Stories podcast. We bring you stories of what worked and sometimes what did not in the course of discovering, designing, developing, delivering and using software-based solutions as shared by practitioners who went through these situations. Welcome to this episode of Software Lifecycle Stories. Today with me is J. Veera Raghavan, known as J.V., who is the co-founder of PM Power Consulting. J.V. has been in the IT industry for close to four decades and has played various roles. And in this conversation, we cover a whole range of topics, including product engineering, the future of automated software development, Agile, and a lot of other topics. Listen on. Hi, JV. Welcome to the show. As you know, we've been talking to different practitioners who've been there, done that, who've been involved in right from conception to actual delivery and consumption of software-based solutions. So very happy to have you as a guest. And like with uh, all the guests, I would uh, like to start with you introducing yourself first. Thanks, Shep. Uh, it's it's been a great opportunity to to feature in this podcast. Uh, introducing myself, uh, yeah, maybe I'll probably begin uh, with uh, my my background first. Uh, I would say I come from a very traditional Orthodox family, uh, and I probably continue to you know uh, live a traditional Orthodox lifestyle to this day. Uh, my schooling, uh, pre-university education was uh, in Madurai. Uh, then, of course, uh, I went to IIT Madras for my graduation and post-graduation. I uh, was very lucky to, to actually you know, uh, get an offer from Tata Burroughs while uh, doing my post-graduation at IIT Madras. And that's how you know, my career in software development actually began. Uh, I obviously never expected to be involved in uh, software when I was at IIT because I, my graduation was in mechanical engineering. Uh, my MTech was in industrial management. So I was actually hoping to get into some uh, management job, but uh, you know, uh, got an opportunity from Tata Bros. And, and today, if I look back, uh, that probably was a, a great foundation for me. And uh, in some sense, I've been lucky to work with only three companies uh, all my uh, career. Uh, 14 years with the Tatas, Tata Bros. and then Tata Unisys. 10 years with uh, Novell, Novell Software Development in India. And then the last uh, 12 years, uh, 13 years roughly, I've been with uh, PM Power. I mean, starting PM Power in 2006, beginning and you know, continuing to this day. So it's, it's a bit of a rarity uh, these days that you, know, you work for 35 plus years and yet you know, end up working with just three companies. But uh, all the same, uh, I would say that I've had uh, the fortune of uh, 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 Tremendous experience, rich experience all these years in the sense that uh, when I look at software lifecycle, product lifecycle, I've actually been very fortunate to have been involved uh, in, in all aspects of software development or, or, or management, uh, starting from you know, being a developer when I joined Tata's uh, to doing you know, uh, design development, you know, project management. I was involved with product engineering with, uh, with uh, TUL uh, in one of their financial products, financial uh, services products. 
and then uh, I also involved with uh, some product development for Unisys uh, towards the end of my career in Tata Unisys. And then uh, you know, worked for a technology company, understood the technology, and you know, I always wanted to be involved in a, a small technology kind of uh, setup where I would learn a lot more. Uh, so in that sense, I learned a lot with Novell. Uh, being involved with product development uh, was exciting. And, and learning a lot about product engineering. I also did some teaching at IIM Bangalore when I left Novell. Uh, so I had an opportunity to teach, to teach uh, really high-quality students at IIM and teach something that I enjoyed doing. I mean, two areas that I've enjoyed working with all these uh, years, uh, a software metrics and product engineering. And I had the fortune of actually teaching both these subjects as electives for the PGSEM program at, at IIM Bangalore. And then uh, through the last 12 years, it's been fun working with uh, uh, PM Power with uh, dozens of clients. I mean, you know, many, many, many clients and you know, looking at uh, each one of them in a unique way and you know, learning along the way. So I would say 35 years of uh, experience involved in you know, involving virtually every aspect of uh, the software lifecycle, including quality assurance and processes, uh, which I was associated with in both in Tata Unisys and in Novell. Uh, so, you know, setting up a product testing lab in Novell was a was a big challenge, and being you know, able to test very large products, uh, all kinds of testing, non-functional testing, reliability testing, stress testing, scalability testing. So, very rich experience in Novell, and now uh, a lot of experience with uh, agile transformation with companies uh, end to end, especially large corporates. Uh, you now, looking at challenges there and being involved with teams again, I've always enjoyed working with people. So. Uh, and working with teams and and seeing them succeed, uh, it's it's been something that that I've enjoyed. You know, when people succeed with uh, what you're trying to do and help them with, uh, you always have a great sense of satisfaction. That's something that I've enjoyed doing, and, and I've been fortunate to have gone through this and and, and learned along the way and contributed along the way. That, that's some brief introduction. Maybe you know we can take it from you know you, what you have in mind in terms of what you would like me to share. Oh, thanks, JV. That was a very beautiful and crisp introduction. Uh, one thing that um, I know you have also done very early in your career also is to working on you know, four GLs. Okay. Today, people still talk about you know no code, low code, and all that. And you've been both on the development side and, like you said, on the the quality side as well as you know the leadership trying to plan, trying to be predictable, trying to have good quality and all that. Mm -hmm. So are there some patterns that you see or uh, did you get any new perspectives when you moved from, say, on the developer role to a quality assurance or a quality control role? I I would say that, uh, you know, one of the things that that made me succeed in the quality assurance, uh, the process side of the, the, the quality side, if you relook at it. One of the reasons I was able to succeed, in my opinion, was the fact that uh, I had the experience of actually working with uh, software development and design and you know, doing project management, going through the, the, hard, uh, you know, the hard grind of actually you know, working with customers and delivering something for customers and also working with products and, and, and the engineering of products. So, I think when you get into quality assurance with that hands-on experience, uh, it's always very useful. And I think I would say when I was working at Novell, this was uh, you know, people who were working that I was peer to were you know, 
these are top technocrats from from some of the best companies in india and then they were they were probably very very highly respected and generally you find uh, you know uh, in a startup kind of environment that we had in novel when we started uh, the culture is such that you know when you look at process and you tell them quality assurance and process and you know let's say code reviews and things like that some of these don't necessarily go down well with people so they they actually say why do we need to do it i'm i'm sure it will work you know i can actually do it my own testing and make sure everything works so all these processes are a lot of overhead and you know, we don't need it so in in that kind of an environment to actually help them understand the value behind it and you know why you need to do certain things i think if you had the experience of doing it before uh, you get respected and and if i really look back that experience was something that you know helped me tremendously in my first five or six years at novel where uh, people were you know really really you know uh, if i look at the, the the quality of people uh, they're, they're very intellectually you know uh, very good uh, very brilliant people those kinds of people are usually uh, you know they they may take time to get convinced about something that's that's good for you know, software development product development in terms of process but once they convince they they go all the way to do it and if i look back success there was something that that inspired me to you know look at that as a, as a role that, that i enjoyed doing so in some sense i think uh, having their experience with software development helped me i would say uh, um yeah related to that i see as a developer say you are more in a problem solving mode mm-hmm. but when you have to do the quality assurance are you able to get into still that kind of uh, thinking as a developer or does it become more of a fault finding mode no in fact i think you you probably need to think uh, like the developer and, and appreciate the challenges because see the way i look at uh, if i look at this role uh, the quality assurance role or for that matter what role we are playing today with uh, consulting for organizations and let's say the agile journey or so on uh, typically are playing a, a, an advisory consulting kind of role you know a staff role in many ways and and if i look back uh, other than the first you know, five or six years of my career uh, with tatas the last almost 25 to 30 years has actually been uh, more in a staff capacity advisory capacity where you are influencing uh, teams and influencing the leadership team to actually adopt something that will be you know for the benefit of the organization their own benefit or the project benefit so uh i would say that it's a you know tougher challenge but the only way you can actually uh, make a success of that is if you get into the shoes of the developer and appreciate what they are going through and and listen to them understand the challenges and and and, and contextualize your your solution for example you know there is no you know you don't go by the book and say you know do this do this do this no, you actually try to find out and and you know if they have a need for an exception if they say that in, in some circumstances let's say a combination of code reviews and unit testing but not necessarily 100% code review for example is what is needed you know understand and then you you're able to actually recommend what is right in that environment rather than you know go by the the book and and t- typically when you look at a lot of the process folks who don't have the the actual development background they tend to go by the letter of what needs to be done rather than you know get into the spirit and understand how to actually you know customize or tailor it to a specific project or an environment or a need mm that's nice so i guess yeah before i ask a question on you know, the whole adaptability and agility uh, one thing is is there anything on the reverse side I and mean, how can developers understand 
a tester's mind? I th- I think the the way they need to look at it is you know when they go through it if they are not able to find something and and a tester actually finds something that means that they, you know the tester is adding some value you you actually you know make them understand that uh, if if you are doing it and you know if a tester is not able to find something they have done a fantastic job and you know uh, but but very often you find that uh, the tester is actually adding value and and the reason he adds value is because he comes from a different perspective or more often than not uh, or even though you know we used to call it i mean especially when we, when i did it in novel we used to say you know uh, tester's mind is destructive and and a developer's mind is constructive and those those kinds of constructs are all gone now where we actually see a fusion of these two roles in the you know the agile environment where we actually tell people that it's not that one person does developer and one person does testing and and you know uh, and, and both think differently it's actually you need to have both mindsets so that you can ensure that you know you are able to do it right the first step so anyway coming back uh, i think your question about how can they understand i think if they see that tester is adding value uh, you know because they are not able to find something when the tester is able to find it I, i think they need to you know respect that and they will start respecting it and i think it's it, the respect is earned i mean i i found it when i was heading product testing in novel you know, we all had to earn the respect of the development team because the development teams are pretty good pretty strong so if they had to respect the testing team unless you start contributing and you know getting uh, you know make, making them see value from you uh, though it's it's very difficult for them to accept it and once that acceptance happens then the collaboration is so much better so if i may paraphrase so mm-hmm. a couple of things that you mentioned one is that uh, the distinction between the constructor and the destructor is all vanishing you said which means mm-hmm. that the multi skilling or thinking about what will happen next also are all characteristics that we hear that agile teams would be good at so in your experience of coaching teams that were say following other practices earlier and then moving to agile mm-hmm. have you seen these kinds of behavior changes actually happening yeah i i absolutely agree with you i i think uh, uh, i've actually had the experience of working with a you know large financial services uh, company in an agile transformation uh, journey their tra- transformation journey though you know you're not in a program where uh, they were doing a large scale you know uh, trading platform trading system uh basically the the dev and the qa teams were actually not seeing eye to eye in the beginning i mean you know they had their own issues challenges uh there was always this question about you know when will i get the product delivered to testing you know typically when you work a three week cycle the the way they were working is uh, you know typically the first two to one half weeks will be developed and the last few days will be testing and and most stories will actually get delivered towards the last few days and and then uh, you know they when they find some issue they will throw it back so typically it was like a waterfallish kind of work where you know uh, Uh, you would develop something and then give it to testing towards the end and you know testing will go back and say these are the defects and you go back and fix and you know, every time we had a daily stand up this used to be a, a concern that came up with uh, you know from from the qa team member saying that i'm typically getting it at the last day and and so on so basically what what uh, i worked with uh, both the teams to make them understand is that this is ultimately if stories don't get delivered in a, in a sprint it's the responsibility of both teams you know the development cannot say that you know, i have done my job and you know qa didn't do their job 
Uh, QA cannot say that I found some defects and you know, these guys took time to fix it. So that's the reason we were not able to complete a story. I said, you've got to find a way by which you work with each other to see how you can maximize the throughput from the team's perspective. And if it means that you've got to collaborate every day to figure out what gets delivered, what gets tested, what gets completed, uh, that's, that's part of both of your responsibility rather than you know, looking at as a narrow perspective of your role. It took quite some time for them to understand this. And you know, I, I, I asked them to change the tone of their update in the standup uh, by, by actually saying, you know, don't say QA and dev. And you actually have to say, who are you pairing up with? I mean, if two or three people are working together on a story, they're actually pairing up and then getting something to be done. So the updates have to, to actually have ownership from both parties for specific stories. So this is how you know, we, we kind of made them understand that, uh, that the roles are complementary, not only complementary, the roles are you know, integral to the success of the project. And it's not as if one role can actually say that I did my job and the other didn't do the job. It's that we did not do the job as a team. So once that appreciation happened, it took some time. And I think once they started seeing value and asked them to start working in smaller chunks, delivering smaller chunks, working together. And I think over a period of time, what they found is that uh, you know, the complaint about Dev and QA slowly started an identical thing. You know, that the Dev and QA were actually sitting in different floors of, of the building and they were actually you know, uh, not seeing eye to eye. Right? And, and I said that in Agile, you know, it, unless you guys are you know, co-located, you know, working with each other literally on, a, on, a, on a, you know, a regular basis, you're not going to be successful. And the test team is completely reluctant because they said that you know, they work together, the functional skills are important, and you know, they need to talk to their manager regularly, they need to learn from each other. I said that all that can happen, but still what is important for you is delivery on a day-to-day basis. You know, your project is more important for you than... Uh, the fact that you belong to a testing team uh, with a lot of reluctance. You now they did not want to move to you know sitting with the development team, but I actually had to push through this change at the management level. And initially, you know, you, you wouldn't believe that the teams won't see, you know, won't even talk to each other. The dev and the test guys won't talk to each other, even though they were actually sitting next to each other. But uh, as, as as time you know went by, they realized the testers realized that they needed to talk to the developers. You know. And then, you know, slowly the, the communication through mail kind of disappeared and they actually started talking. And then, you know, after some time, they even started going for lunch together, which was a you know, welcome change from the initial thing. So yeah. I think the, the unfortunate thing is the, the functional mindset that has been built over years, you know, unfortunately needs to disappear if, if you need to succeed in, in today's uh, dynamic environment where you know, teams have to work together much closer. Yeah, that's very interesting, JV. Uh, particularly when you said that even the the words used, you know, as pairing and things like that, were able to bring that change. Now, I have a question on a different type of change, whether it is needed or how that is needed. You talked about this waterfall to agile transition. Similarly, mm-hmm. when you are working on, let's say, the projects, typically as we know, with a date and then somebody is doing something, mm-hmm. versus or I don't know if it is versus or from there to a product, since you said you also taught product engineering, are there any changes in terms of how one approaches it? And uh, I missed you, uh, you a little bit, if you can. Okay, yeah, I can. Um, yeah, that is very interesting, JV, the use of uh, even words, you know, like when you said pairing, you know, how mm-hmm. that promoted collaboration and all that. Right. And 
the shift from say the waterfall to agile or everybody working together and all that that is one kind of you know a change in oneself mm-hmm. uh, a different uh, probably application of that or a different area where moving from developing software as you know projects to products Mm-hmm. You also taught product engineering and all that. Are there similar changes in one's approaches or mindset that is required? And what are some characteristics? What is it that you learned that could be useful for our listeners? Oh, a hell of a lot. In fact, uh, uh, if I if I go back, you know, my experience with both uh, Tata Tata Unisys and and with Novell taught me a lot about you know in in many ways how to develop products and also how not to develop products because. Now, the first stint with Tata Unisys, we had a you know, financial product and financial services product. And I mean, you know, we were into product development you know, so far early into you know, the, the, the software. And I mean, if I look at software industry in the 1980s, uh, not many companies are even actually doing software development from India. They were actually you know, sending people overseas. Uh, in that kind of an environment to actually develop a you know, technology-based solution for the banking industry and, and as a product solution, that itself was a was a was a big uh, was something completely revolutionary those days. So being involved with the product development in the environment uh, you know, taught me a lot of things about uh, you know value of actually a lot of aspects such as for example configuration management in a product uh, setup right. You need to maintain code base uh, because you are trying to develop this product and actually use this product in different customer installations. Sometimes you need to customize them. You need to develop. Different versions of the product, and that was the first lesson that I learned. That you know, how do you, how do you, you know, what do you need to do to ensure you have good, solid, you know, code control and, and and mechanisms for ensuring that your configurations are uh, have the highest level of integrity and so on and so forth. Second thing that I learned is you know, product development has a lot of angles, such as product testing, right? You know, when you're when you're developing a product that's actually getting installed in hundreds of customer sites, uh, you actually need to Make sure that the, the quality of the product from all aspects, you know, whether it's got to do with functionality, reliability, uh, scalability, uh, the stress that it has to withstand, all of these require you know, phenomenal amounts of uh, you know, planning, design, even starting from architecture. Right? Uh, I learned that you know, if you don't have the right architecture, uh, you can't build performance into the product. Right? When you're working for a specific customer, uh, you have the flexibility to do something, and you know you can do whatever you need to do. But when you're trying to work for a product that's getting installed in you know uh, several installations you actually need to think about uh, how it's going to get used and and what kind of architecture you need for the product right from day one right so i, I think that was a big learning you know, aspects such as configuration management product testing uh, and the way that you need to you know architect the product for uh, use at different uh, for different kinds of uses all of those are actually big learnings and and that you know increases the effort for developing the same solution Substantially, I mean, I know that uh, I've learned from uh, reading the Mythical Man by you know, Fred, Frederick Brooks that, that you know, developing a product is a is a, is a substantially larger uh, you know kind of effort than you know, trying to develop a custom solution for a specific uh, you know, uh, situation for a specific you know customer for a specific project. So I think uh, you know in in Data Unisys we actually developed a product for Unisys and. And, and there's a huge amount of learning. We actually estimated, you know, the developer actually estimated something like 10% weeks, believe it or not, 10% weeks to develop you know, one major part of whatever the product was. Okay. And then when we actually, you know, uh, 
uh, as a management reviewed the estimates and provided the proposal to the customer we actually realized there's a lot of things that was not considered and you know, came up with an estimate of 10% years but actually when we delivered the product uh, so you, you are with me uh, you know. so when we actually delivered the product it turned out to be you know 20 25% almost double the estimate and even then we were actually you know far away from the kind of quality that we ultimately wanted to see in the product so essentially i believe that you know when you're developing a product uh, you need to look at you know many many aspects in terms of how the product is going to get used at different customer sites what's the kind of usage in terms of you know, volume or uh, number of users for the product and and also look at uh, you know the architecture that actually uh, you know fits in with that requirement and then make sure that you have a testing that uh, you know testing strategy and plan and you know approach to ensure that you're able to you know ensure the quality before it it hits the customers so all of these were things that that are new to me and and i think most organizations have you know struggled to develop products so they're moving in from a services kind of setup i've seen that they struggle and uh, even one of the recent customers uh, i said that your your developers need to be trained when they join the company on how to develop products right it's not developing products is not uh, you know writing some code and then you know, pushing it to testing right uh, they need to understand what they need to do to ensure that uh, they get that right in the first place so it's it's a it's, in my opinion i think it's something that uh, uh, that's that's a huge change from actually writing a custom software for a specific customer yeah so that uh, you know brings another question to mind the way you describe it uh, definitely there is a lot more attention to detail that is required even from your you know, planning for your products and all that mm -hmm. uh, in today's world when uh, being a startup is very fashionable mm -hmm. and people talk about you know fail early fail fast and all that how does one kind of tailor all these what are considered overheads which you also referred to like techies normally may not want to do these things mm -hmm. in a startup kind of world where the results are expected pretty much on a continual basis or at fairly short bursts i i i personally feel that even in a startup environment uh, bro, we don't necessarily you know look at uh, i'm i'm not i don't even believe in you know i i believe in lean processes if you if you really look at it if you want to do a code review the best way to do a code review is actually you know get a couple of people that you feel comfortable with uh, you know, in terms of review and then you know, make them sit with you to walk through the code and get their feedback and you know make sure that you're able to absorb that feedback and things like that and and i believe that you know you need to actually get a culture of uh, people understanding that working together and and delivering value together is is really what is uh, you know crucial for success uh, if if i go back to one of my experiences of actually working in an open source uh, Uh, software development environment uh, the people who actually were brilliant but did not fit in that kind of a setup primarily because they could not take feedback right uh, and and you know they would not collaborate to get a solution very often they would actually given a problem they will go back to a corner and and you know work on the solution themselves take their own sweet time to come up with it and and by the by the time they come up with it you know somebody else has actually found the solution working with other people so that's really what happens in the open source world where now you don't have a whole lot of time for you to find a solution whereas if you actually collaborate with each other you will you will find that you are able to come come up with a solution much quicker right and even if, if it means that you have to go through a couple of you know trial and error a couple of 
iterations are actually coming up with a solution. That's much better. So the, the actual mindset that we need to incorporate in them is, you now think about a solution, put it in place, get it reviewed or you know, in an iterative mode with somebody, and, and that person gives you feedback and actually incorporate the feedback. And even if it means that you're finding a few mistakes early, it's okay. And, and that's a you know, much better process to work with than sitting back and then you know, coming up with a so-called ideal design or ideal way of coding, and then you know, uh, making sure that your code reviews don't throw up any issues at all. I mean, that you know, intent is not to say I need to have zero defects in code reviews. The intent is to make sure that I you know, give it up, give it for review as, as soon as I could, and then even if there is a feedback, being able to incorporate the feedback, I'm not trying to say produce bad quality code, but certainly you know, don't need to wait for the so-called ideal ideal. Right? You, you need to start thinking about uh, how do you actually work together to produce something quicker rather than you know, go through an you know, elaborate process where you would actually develop a good, very good solution and then you know, have minimal you know, issues from code review or testing or whatever. I mean, I, I believe that you know, collaborating, working iteratively, and putting in your best foot forward the first time. I think that's that's probably the best way to work in a product and, and startup environment. See, you referred to uh, the book Mythical Man Month. Now uh-huh. You're talking about product engineering and things like that. So similarly, as you mentioned, uh, the open source model or approach, you know, from a more structured way of working, do you have any recommendations for further reading? Um. See, I, I think with Agile, there is a whole lot of uh, you know, uh, things that are available from uh, some of the you know, leading gurus, you know, whether it's Martin Fowler or Mike Cohn or uh, all of those, those folks, right? Uh, specifically in terms of architecture, I had uh, you know, uh, one book uh, some time back, I don't remember, uh, uh, it was soft, uh, Architecture Basics, uh, you know, Architecture Tactics. There are quite a few like that that you know, I would actually say you know, from agile perspective there is a whole lot. Uh, I'm not sure if there is you know maybe it's some, it, doesn't, it doesn't come to the top of my mind. Maybe you know uh, we, can, we can probably talk about okay. it. When, yeah. yeah, sure. Now I just like the mythical man month. Whether you know, when one has to think like open source or working in an open source kind of model compared to a small team working. Oh. Whether you had any thoughts on. Uh, yeah, not not at the top of my mind right now, but I, I believe that there are, there are things like, uh, you know, uh, if I remember right, Code Complete, I mean, in those days, I'm talking about, you know, when Microsoft released a few books, uh, if I remember right, you know, we had books for, you know, that was written about the Windows NT software development, Code Complete, quite a few of those I've read where, at least, you no, know, this is quite old. I mean, I'm talking about 15, 20 years back. Some of them I found actually very good because they talked about, you know, the, the real challenges so that, when you actually get into software development, you actually know those are the things to avoid. Hmm. And what I liked about the open source culture is uh, people don't uh, worry about you know, getting negative feedback. I mean, if, if I write a patch for you know, Linux today, uh, at any point in time, you know, maybe 200 to 300 pairs of eyes are looking at that code and giving you feedback uh, on an instant basis. I mean, that's something phenomenal. I don't, you know, you, you wouldn't get that kind of a thing, you know, and I've seen some comments from people which have been very nasty. I mean, you, you, you publish a piece of code and people say it's you know, very, very, very bad things. I mean, you know, use four-letter words on the code uh, when you send they send code review comments. But, but people have the culture to take it and say, hey, you know, that feedback is actually good so I can learn from it. And so maybe you need to develop a thick skin sometimes. But unless you do, uh, you know, 
unless you are open for you know feedback and learning from that process uh, it's very difficult to learn and i think that's something that i learned a lot from the open source community you know understanding and managing people working in the open source space yeah true and like yeah one book since you talk as you were mentioning that came to my mind was uh, which made a good a lot of impression on me as this uh, cathedral and the bazaar ah okay yeah i i, I agree now uh, continuing with our uh, the startup theme and mm-hmm. uh, all these uh, pressures of creating something new something that create an impact and all that so this is uh, a combination of a personal and professional question mm-hmm. uh, as part of the introduction you said that you are fairly orthodox okay right and uh, when we talk about all these solutions we say you need to be thinking out of the box Mm-hmm. so how are you able to balance the orthodoxy in personal life and the out of the box in professional life oh a tough one i mean honestly i think uh, uh, i believe that some of these uh, even if you are orthodox when you when you are thrown into the deep pool uh, you know you will come up with some ways to manage this uh, it whether you call it out of the box or you know whether you react with uh, you know how do you deal with challenges uh, because you have to somehow meet meet the challenges i i believe that if you are if you are uh, my my own personal experience has been if if you have been given a challenge uh, and and you know you, you know when you when you when i was young especially you know, uh, somehow i could deal with it because you know uh, one thing you know being uh, being a spiritual person helped me definitely because i had confidence that uh, you know, if if i was if i had faith in something that will help me deal with the situation but uh, i i think given a challenge you know you would come with some come up with something i believe that more often than not uh, you know when you're thrown into the deep pool you will come up with something and and that's been my personal experience so in fact one of the the earliest uh, experiences that i had was uh, uh, you know with uh, less than 5 years into the industry uh, i had to actually deal with an extremely tough customer and i was working for you know unisys uh, you know where we had to actually change uh, Uh, you know do a customization of a product that was in a 4gl you know uh, language uh, customize a product for a financial customer and and this 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 customer is an extremely tough customer uh, so my own personal thing i was actually you know asked to go and talk to this customer and uh, get a sign off from the customer for requirements uh, for the customization and you know the the situation was i did not know uh, you know abc of i did not even know the fourth gl so i had learned the fourth gl first second this was a financial services space and i had i had actually worked in the distribution and manufacturing side so i did not know a lot about the financial side so i needed to learn that third this was a, a product so i needed to learn the product fourth i had to you know actually deal with the customer and you know uh, talk his language Now, with all of these, all that I was given was about three days at another customer site to go and see another installation to understand the product, the application, the you know the technology, the, you know, the source code, everything, and then go and you know use that learning in the in this customer who was an extremely tough customer for Burroughs to to collect requirements and get a sign off from me in about you know, two two and a half months, and this is the you know, chief financial officer or the you know financial controller of the company. very experienced person and i was just four or five years experience so i mean i did not even you know know how i was going to respond but once the challenge is out you will actually go out of the way to make sure that 
you, you want to succeed at all costs. So I learned a lot of things, you know, how to do analysis, how to capture requirements, you know, new techniques to actually do that. And you know, if I look back, that was one of the first projects in, you know, in, in Tata Unisys Tata Burus where we actually you know, delivered a, a comprehensive requirement specification document signed off with a customer and, and used that for developing a turnkey solution subsequently. So I, I, I don't know whether you know, there is any magic solution there, but whether you're orthodox or not, if I believe that if you are thrown into the deep pool, you will somehow you know, learn to swim and, and come across. If you have the confidence and faith, you'll probably do that. And I think uh, the fact that you know, I had a fairly good you know, educational background and, uh, and, and, and you know, uh, a decent kind of experience with that helped me pull through that situation, I guess. Yeah, thanks, JV. I'm sure our listeners will appreciate that. Now, being at peace with yourself and having faith in yourself as well will let you see through any situation. Yeah, I, I believe so. And I don't know that there is any any other magic bullet. or, I mean, thinking out of the box, obviously, I, I can be much better. I, I know that I'm not necessarily the most creative person in the world. But certainly, I believe that you know finding a solution to the problem that you have is, is, is probably what you need to do. And if you have to take somebody's help, so be it. I mean, you don't have egos. Make sure that learning is the, the most important thing. And, and you know, solving a problem for the customer gives you satisfaction. And if you're able to get uh, all of these together, somehow you'll swim and, and make sure that you're successful. Um, considering the time, the last question I have for you is uh, your transition from mechanical engineering to software. Now, when mm-hmm. you look back, you know, we do talk about software also as software engineering, and then there are software factories as the dream way of developing software and all that. So do you think we are anywhere close to software development being an engineering kind of discipline or being able to develop software in factories? I, I don't know whether maybe you know maybe during the late 80s you know, there was a lot of talk about software factories. I was one of the people who was involved in software tool uh, development at Tata Unisys and you know setting up the tools function. Uh, that time the Toshiba software factory was given as you know one of the big big uh, you know role models for for getting into the software factory mode and so on. Today I don't believe that uh, you know it, the same same. Uh, Thing is true. I mean, there's a the way the software has been developed over the last uh, several years. I think a lot of things have changed, and we are not into the factory mode. I agree, but I still believe that uh, uh, collaborative development has actually taken off in a in such a big way. Uh, th- there's a good combination of creativity and and collaboration that's at work today, and that's not necessarily a typical. You know, I wouldn't say it's a typical factory situation. So, to me, I don't think uh, that. That uh, uh, ideology or that that uh, thing is, is true today. I mean, the way I would look at software development is how do you actually get people to, uh, you know, uh, not only you know recruit smart people, but actually get, help people understand that you know, working with each other and, and learning from each other is, is the best way to do it. And, and, and that will actually drive uh, you know, people to, leverage each other for creativity and, and, and collaboration to produce the best thing. So I, I don't, I, I'm not a, a strong believer of this software factory thing today. I mean, that, that used to be 20, 25 years ago, no, no longer. I, mean, I, I wouldn't think that's as important today as uh, you know, getting people to work together and, and you know, collaborating to find the solution for the customer. 
so there is still some hope that you know, software will continue to be a team sport and it is not going to be replaced by robots i don't think so i still I still believe that for the next you know, at least 15 20 25 years we'll still need uh, humans actually working together to produce uh, with the best software i mean that that's probably still going to be the the way that it's going to be for the next at least a foreseeable future yeah you will find that uh, more more uh, as the world becomes uh, smarter and smarter and you know technology takes over uh, but but still you you need to you know have people to build that technology and i still believe that uh, you know you need to get smart people working together in in a collaborative way to build that smart technology and and i think that the people element will will continue to be a key thing you know as we move forward thanks jv uh, i know that one topic or theme that is very close to your heart we've not even touched upon maybe in our next conversation which is bridge and bridge yeah in and fact I, yeah. i did i did, when i introduced myself we didn't talk about it but uh, yeah. yeah i mean bridge and carnatic music are two things that i enjoy but uh, it's not been something that i've had too much time for but hopefully somewhere in the future i would i would be able to spend more time on that yeah i think when we talk next um, i would definitely like to you know pick your brain on some of those things Thanks so thanks, thanks a lot JV uh, for uh, sharing all these if uh, whatever questions our listeners have we'll uh, pass them on to you and I'm sure you'll be able to respond to them thank you thank you it's been a pleasure and you know to forward to talking to you again If you like the show and would like to share your experiences with the community or know someone else who might want to do that please get in touch with us at podcast at pm-powerconsulting.com that is podcast at pm-powerconsulting.com